I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost for Words DFS podcast. It is our final major championship of the season. Uh, feels like a, a bit of a wild thing to say that, Matt, um, at the Open Championship already. Yeah, season flies by, uh, the last one, and then only a couple of kind of real weeks of golf left. And then, yeah, then we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think a lot is going to happen over this kind of winter period. We're going to see a lot of changeovers. We're going to hear a lot of things. Um, so I think there's, there's an important time coming up, not just for betting and DFS purposes, but just, you know, the golf landscape in general. So I think once this major championship's out of the way, uh, the FedEx Cup's out of the way, I say out of the way, don't want to wish them away, we're, we're excited for them. But once they're, uh, once they're done, there's going to be some big changes. I'm assuming the Netflix documentary will be uh, the talk of the town for a little while over the winter period. I don't exactly know when that's going to get released. Oh, uh, I can't wait for that. But that, that's going to be fun. So... Um, a lot to come, but but first of all, Matt, we're at the home of golf once again. Uh, we're at St Andrews for the first time since 2015. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I, I've been meaning to ask you, but what do you think about the course? Take the history out. What do you think of just the viewing experience of watching a tournament at, at St Andrews? So being live on the ground at St Andrews, viewing it sucks. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you just can't see anything. Uh, watching on TV, I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's you know a fun tournament to watch. I think it's probably the most American-friendly Open Championship venue. Uh, I think if you look back to kind of leaderboards uh, from years gone, I mean, I think, isn't it all of them you've had? Um, obviously, Zach Johnson went in 2015. Tiger won it twice before that at St. Andrews. I know Tiger's obviously his own entity, but, you know, Americans have generally played pretty well here. And I think one of the things I noticed as well was, like, you don't have to have been the best Open Championship player to have played well at St. Andrews in the past. So as much as it is... You know, people see it as like the crown jewel of Lynx golf, and that it is a true Lynx test. Like, I think it plays pretty easy for the most part. Uh, you know, Tiger won it at 19 under, Louis 16 under, Zach Johnson 15 under. Like, it's not, unless there's some horrendous weather, which just isn't forecast at the moment. Like, I don't see it being a tough test. Although, we didn't think that about the Scottish Open this week either. That's right. And, and you know, I have been hearing about they do want to make it firm and fast, and they're going to bake it out. And I do, I do think they want to. You know, they want the course to hold up against against today to show that you know the course still can have a little bit of teeth against modern technology. So I don't think it's going to get out of control like some people might, but I still think it's probably 15, 8, 15 18. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those um, it's one of those ones where two years ago we were talking about what on earth is Bryson DeChambeau going to do to St Andrews, right? And now two years on, we're not even talking about the guy. So um, maybe a bit more on that later. But I do, you know, you look at two thousand like. Tiger Woods beat Thomas Bjorn and Ernie Els, and then you had Tom Lehman, David Thomas, Fred Couples, Paul Azinger, and Lauren Roberts rounding out the sort of top seven players. Um, so all USA. Then 2005, it was kind of uh, Tiger beating Monty and Fred Couples. So that was a very sort of like international European feel. Um, and, and similar in sort of 2010, Ustazen beat, you know, Laps, Lee Westwood and, and Rory in the end. But there was still Nick Watney and Sean O'Hare in the top ten who and not guys you would necessarily associate with uh, Lynx golf, right? And mm-hmm. and then you get Zach Johnson, who said he couldn't win at St. Andrews, you know, and then you've got Jordan Spieth in fourth, who probably should have made, um, you know, the playoff there. And then you've got Jordan Nebruge, who was the amateur, and Brooks Kepler in the top ten. So I do think it's a fairly American-friendly... And what I mean by that is that, like, 
generally speaking, the American players are the best players, right? There's no getting away from that other than kind of Rory McIlroy over the last you know, couple of decades. And I just, I just think it's one of those ones where like there's always this kind of bias of like, oh, let's get some European guys in, let's get some British guys in because they love links golf. And it's like, yeah, but I, I don't think you necessarily need that at St Andrews. So I think have a look at past leaderboards in 2010, 2015, are obviously the most relevant, and just see the kind of names that you know popped up and and just. You know, just consider whether the guys that you generally like, like you look at Ollie Schneiderhands was an amateur and Jordan Ebridge, both amateurs, top 12 um, in the Open, which was a really skewed year in 2015 because you had Ashley Chesters is also the English guy that was an amateur. So he had three inside the top 12. But, you know, you had Brendan Todd there, Robert Streb inside the top 20, Stuart Sink inside the top 20, Russell Henley, um, Patrick Reed. Like it was, it was, there was just guys that you wouldn't necessarily associate with Lynx Golf. So um, I do think it's, you know, worth looking into that and just considering before ruling people out based on a lack of links experience. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I agree completely. And I think, you know, what's tough about this week is, like you said, everyone can be a factor. Nationality doesn't matter. Like, links experience isn't really as important. And then also skill set, I think anyone can win, too. Like, you're looking at, um, you know, guys who are who can hit it far and bomb it off the tee. Like you said about Bryson, we everyone expected that to be a real advantage here, and it, it could be. And then, but you see guys like Zach Johnson and Louis play well here too. So I just think there's so many different ways to get it done around here. So just, you know, there's a first major I can remember like 30 plus guys I think can win it. When we go to U.S. Open, we're talking about 10, 15 guys, and it's just not the case this week. Yeah, I mean, I was on a podcast I did say, and it's just sort of, I said exactly the same amount of people. I said thir- there would be 30 people I could probably think, and that's just off the top of my head, like not even trying to count them out, like of people that if they won at the end of the week, you just go, well, that's no real surprise to me. Like there'll be some that you're going, oh, I wasn't expecting it, but you wouldn't be completely shocked. Now, on the distance thing, like, I generally thought to agree, but then you look and like Tiger was the the, the distance leader in 2000 and 2005, Louis Season was fourth, so maybe Zach Johnson was the outlier, but like like you say, you're going to get run off a lot in the baits off sort of areas, it's hot, you know, it's not going to be tough. And you look at actually fairways hit was generally more important, which is strange because it's so wide open. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's more because... If you do miss, like it's it's harder to miss, then this is why you're going to get some of the percentages are going to read out. But like, when you do it, it could cause issues. So like, Zach Johnson hit 85.9 percent of fairways in 2015, and that he was only third in the field. So two people bettered that, you know, that percentage. Louis Ustase wow. and hit the same amount and led uh, the field, and then Tiger hit just under 74 percent, or just over 73 percent in uh, 2005, and he was in the top 10 and just under 80% in 2000 top seven. So, you know, fairways hit was generally pretty important. Um, and then greens and regulation was really weird. Like Tiger only hit 75%, well, I say only, so he hit 75% of the greens, but that's 53rd in the field. And then Zach Johnson hit 76% of the greens and he was 40th in the field, whereas Ustazen was ninth and Tiger was first. Tiger hit 91%, or 92% nearly of the, of the greens in 2000. Like, Jeez. just ridiculous. So I think... The greens are shared in, in some holes, right? They're so big that, like, I think free putt avoidance is obviously going to be um, key. I think you're going to have learned a little bit from last week, like, who's got a bit of touch around the greens. I, I was impressed with some of the shots that kind of Max Homer hit in the end, and he sort of went out and played some additional rounds of golf that weren't necessarily on his radar. Like, just keep an eye on things. I thought Spieth impressed me a little bit at times, went off the rails a bit today, but... You know, just just looking out for players that, that showed a bit in Scotland. I don't think it really changed my thinking too much, um, but I think it was worth picking up some of the shots that we saw. 
Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I um, I get my kind of rankings updated for this and looking at that. Um, and it reminds me of you know how Tony Finau's kind of played well in Open Championships, and he is in the this season um, up there in three point avoidance first in his last twenty four rounds. So, you know, there might be something to that as well. Yeah, like I mean, when we go through this, and we'll go, we're not going to go player by player, but we we try to sort of skip over people and end up talking about everyone anyway. So. It won't be far off play by play, mm-hmm. but like Tony Finau's five for five in made cuts at the Open Championship, and his worst mm-hmm. finish is twenty seventh. Now I've fallen in this trap with Tony Finau at the, at the Masters, and we'll come on to him when it gets to his price point. But like Xander Schauffele, four for four in you know Open Championships. Like the obviously Schauffele is going to be very popular this week because of what he's doing, and, and rightly so. But like Jordan Spieth's played eight Open Championships, and he's made all eight cuts. Like I don't, I don't think that's really like as much as we think about his win and his near miss last year and his fourth place uh, here in St Andrews in 2015. Like as much as that's a focus, like to never miss a cut in an Open Championship when you're not a traditionally links player. Like I think that's really impressive. So just keep an eye out for people. Like obviously we we both use different you know websites for you know tour tips and for fancy national. Like just look at the event form as much as anything else. Like I think. There's always this thing that like you've had to have had a top ten in the open before you can win one or that sort of thing. I don't necessarily think that's going to be true at St Andrews. Like, Ustazen didn't before he won here, and he hadn't really played in a whole lot of things. So, um, and Spieth wouldn't have played a lot before St Andrews, right? So, it's I don't think you need it to win, but it's obviously beneficial. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it goes to why Spieth has been successful. You look at his creativity around the greens, and I. You know, I was looking last week a lot at at the guys who putt the best on slow greens, and Xander was first in that, and Spieth was third, and we saw it come to fruition this week. So I think that that might have something to do with it as well. Yeah, it tells its own story, right? And I think that creativity around the greens, everyone kind of tries to put the Masters and the Open together, and, and especially at St Andrews, and I think that's fair enough. Like, you know, the the biggest defense really for St Andrews is bunkers. If you, if you manage to avoid most of them, you're fine. Um, and the weather, like the weather gets up, then then you're in trouble. But generally speaking, it doesn't seem to when we get St Andrews. I mean, it was it, there was a wet day when I went in 2015, and there was actually I think play was actually halted. Uh, it actually, I think it actually got delayed a whole day in 2015. I can't remember now. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean Dustin Johnson went a long time without playing. He yeah, was 36. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure we lost a whole day in St Andrews. But like it. That is basically what I think is a defence. Like, if, if there's no weather issues, then it comes down to the bunkers. If you miss the bunkers, there's no real defence. So it's then just what you do on and around the greens, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there is a, you know, we said there's about probably 30 guys who could win, but I also think there's a couple of guys up top that's really pointing to. So I think um, start at the top and let's go through these guys. Let's, let's, let's whack through them. So we've got Rory McIlroy here at 11-1. Uh, Scotty Scheffler at 11, John Rahm at 10-8, Justin Thomas 10-5, Colin Morikawa 10-3, and Jordan Spieth 10. So we'll stop there. Um, do you make Roy McIlroy the, the obvious favourite? I wouldn't say obvious favourite. I think um, of the kind of him, Scheffler, JT, um, those are, who've been kind of grouped in, Rahm, those four have been kind of grouped together the last few months in terms of the best four guys on the odds board. I think he has the best chance of them. Um, and but you know we said this on before the U.S. Open show. There's been plenty of times where it seems like he's the clear guy who should win, and I think that's probably the case this week with the way he's you know with the way he's playing, the way he's and especially the way he's putting this year. Um, but we've said it before, so I don't know if 
I, I trust him to kind of be in the mix. I don't know if I can trust him to actually win. Yeah, I, th- I think it's... I don't like to say it because I don't like to keep being so down nimble. I think it'll be the same old thing. Like, I think he'll either start really quickly and kind of fade away like he has um, at the PGA or, like, he just, you know, won't be there and all of a sudden he'll shoot, like, a 63 on the final day and climb up and cause all this kind of excitement. Like, he opened with a 63 here in 2010. Um, you know, so that's obviously something to look out for. But I still don't know where Rory McIlroy is in terms of his, like, career again like it felt like he was basically back to his brilliant best but his brilliant best isn't until he's winning majors again right and i know he's only he's still only 33 which seems ridiculous so there, there could be conceivably another five major wins ahead of him like that's not out of the realms of possibility the way he can play but like it's concerning uh, and i don't remember why he missed this in 2015 do you i don't remember either no, so I couldn't remember. I was looking earlier and I saw that gap there. So we've only really got what he did in 2010. But what I would say is that this is probably the best open venue for Rory McIlroy uh, on the road. So I just think that it's not that kind of grind it out reason. Um, you know, it's not the one where you have to kind of put your everything forward. It's like if you are the best driver of the ball, if you are the best iron player, you, you will generally be rewarded. So um, I don't think he's going to get as frustrated as he has done at other uh, open venues. Yeah, and just um, looking at it, he he hurt his ankle playing soccer. Uh, that was it. Um, I remember now. Yeah. yeah, it was like car park soccer, which is just outrageous. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I'm not opposed to playing him, even though I completely agree with all of that. And the reason I would is because I do think he's a very high chance for a top five, and I do think a lot of people in the you know the guys 10k and below, you know, and above like 8500. I think there's a lot of guys in in that range that can win. And if you have that guy and you pair him with Rory, who makes that Sunday charge and finishes in fourth and has all those birdies, I think you can definitely make that work. So I do like his, you know, his floor better than all these other guys for sure. Yeah, and like when when we're talking about, like I said, the open was 63, he then shot a, seven, a second round 80 in uh, round two in 2010. But like, he's not going to do that this time. Like, he was new on tour, relatively new at that point, you know, a couple of years in. And like, he'd obviously been a big star by that point. But like... He's just getting over kind of like what he'd done at the Masters. and No, yeah, that hadn't happened yet. So he hadn't even had the Masters experience yet. So, like, he had those couple of really bad experiences where he'd shot the kind of 80s when, when it kind of mattered. But I don't think he's that type of guy now. I think it's just... I think he's getting into contention at the right time. He's got to start quick enough. So if he can start kind of 66, 67, I think he's got a really good start. Because even at the PGA, he started fast in round one, but then he just, he just struggled in round two. And I still think that was a little bit to do with being paired with Tiger. He just can't put four rounds together. That's that's the main thing. Whether he starts fast, he doesn't finish fast, and if he doesn't start fast, he finishes fast. So I think he's the highest floor of this range, but I, again, just don't trust him to win like I think some people some people might this week. But um, in terms of Scheffler, and, uh, I'm not high on his chances this week. I don't. I really don't love him actually for this, even though I know um, he definitely can do it, but I like the other guys better. Yeah, I, I don't think, like, I'm slowly calling on Scotty Scheffler a little bit. And, like... Not because I think there's anything wrong. Like, I don't think there's any alarm bells that need to be rung on him. But like, it was inevitable that it was going to slow down from what he was doing earlier on the season. He's then just missed the cut um, at the Scottish Open. I said at the start I thought he'd probably start slow and then maybe come back. But like, he didn't. And he just doesn't have that open championship pedigree. We spoke about people at the top, about Xander and Tony Finau. Like, he hasn't got that. And that's not to say he can't have that. He could, you know, he's only played one and he's finished tied eighth. Like, 
but I'd still, as we kind of spoke about last week, I think like I don't really consider the Open Championship last year as a, as a true Open, so it's really tough to kind of quantify what that meant last year. Yeah, um, it's tough. This 10K range, I mean, the the two guys who I think are going to be the lowest owned, first one is John Rahm, who I loved all year looking at St. Andrews, but and I'm the biggest Rahm fan there is. I, I don't think I can do it this week. There's something wrong with him. Um, his interview after the round today was very concerning. He was blaming all these other factors, saying he hit a bunch of great shots and um, they didn't work out. He just seems like he's in denial in terms of the state of his game. Um, I'm just worried about him overall. I mean, the only reason I consider playing him now is it looks like he's going to be the forgotten guy of those of those big super elite up top guys. But I don't know. I think I think you're right. Like I have been off of him for a little while, basically the whole season, because I just don't think he's been great, right? And I, I sort of said last week that I thought this would be the time that he'd come back, like back to Lynx Golf, and that could suit him. But he was just awful, and like like you say, his attitude was just it just sucked. Like every time he was on commentary, he was worse than Cyril Hatton. Like and that, that's going something to do that. And you know he was just you know nice draw here and all, all this sort of stuff like he just didn't have the shots like you know if, if you're not playing well enough you, those things are going to happen john like it's not all the golf course like the golf course wasn't unfair at any point it was just a tough few days and he just wasn't up for it now i don't think he's going to have that problem at st andrews i think it's going to be pretty easy so that can flip very quickly um i'm guessing the other ones jt is going to be a bit questionable was it colin Colin is, as of now, it's still early, but it's actually been more lineup generated than I really expected. So I guess a lot of people have been looking ahead. Um, JT is looking like 14, 15%, and then Morikawa was sub 10. And he was the one who was the most um, forgotten, but I'm I'm not interested really too much in him again. I'm not interested in either of those guys this time. No, me like, neither. Me neither. Um, JT was bad at the Scottish Open, and that's not to say he can't turn it around, but I think he's got a lot on his plate right now and isn't backing it up necessarily as, as I thought he would. He's kind of you know, got his major win this season and got that off his back and maybe that was enough. You know, I think getting into the Canadian Open and being spurred on by Rory probably helped him over that weekend and he's looked pretty ordinary since then. So the US Open he was pretty average. Charles Schwab he was bad and, you know, they've come either side of big big wheats, but like I don't really expect him to do much. So um JT no, Colin no for me. So that leaves Speeth who I'm guessing between Speeth and Xander are gonna be the two most owned or at least most talked about guys. They will be. I feel very confident saying they'll be the two most highest owned guys in the field. Yeah, um, but for good reason, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I last week uh, I was talking to Jeff Feinberg in, in my DMs, and I was saying I think whoever doesn't win, this is when the, they were kind of close in score on Saturday. Like I was like, whoever doesn't win this one of of Spieth and and Shoffley is going to win next week. And I I still kind of feel that way that, that Spieth could definitely win. I mean, his open record, like you mentioned earlier, is just. Insane. It's yeah, insane. He's all the shots around here. The slow greens suit him. I watched him a lot when he was playing with um, Ram on, on Saturday, and he just has all the shots for, for these types of courses, and I, it seems like things are kind of pointing towards him winning. Yeah, and I, just, I don't think he's... I think the good thing about him like this season, I know he's had a couple of bad tournaments, and but it's never felt like he's got too high or too low. Like He got that win at the Heritage and looked pretty good while he was doing it. Then he was second at the bar in Nelson, had a good chance to to win there and didn't really do an awful lot wrong it just kind of taken out of his hands right and then you know travelers he misses a cut but he shoots a 66 on the second day to come back from that and he played fine at the us open um yeah i, I just don't i don't think the pga was okay like again i think the the tiger thing was a factor so maybe you know maybe i'm putting too much stock into that the masters was worrying 
wasn't it? That was the, that mm-hmm. was the time where it felt like there was a bit of concern. But you know, he's won since then. Um, yeah, I just just think like that open pedigree is just absolutely fantastic. I think the fact that of these top guys, like not many of them have been in that 2015 Open Championship, so that's obviously a big thing as well. Like he's seen it, he's been in this. He's not going to be overawed by the home of golf type thing. So um, yeah, I really like Jordan Spieth. It's tough because we're talking about all the guys 10K and above. I mean, we we kind of just went through it, and we really don't feel like any of them are winning. So that means, that, I mean, besides speed, and yeah. we said Rory, but so I don't know. So where's this where's this winner coming from? That's what I'm. That's what I want. Well, I, I just think that it's very boring, and, and everyone's going to say this, and I'm going to repeat myself on the, the betting show and everything. Like, I just think it's between Spieth and Shoffley, and like that. Mm-hmm. That's a really weird place to be in because Spieth hasn't been his usual like. The only thing I was concerned with me, like, Spieth used to look unbreakable. Like, he used to look like he was staring double bogeys in the face and he would just get up and down. Whereas today, like, he made the double bogeys. He made the bogeys when he shouldn't do. Lost concentration. Now, that's one eye into next week, I think, is, is a factor. Um, so I'm not too worried. And then with Shoffley, like, it depends how you view it. Like, both in the Travellers and today, like, he looked like he was going to throw it away um for, for various reasons when it was the gala charging and he shouldn't really have had a chance to win and then today he was he was just disappointed and couldn't find it but then he won like and i think there's something to that like if you're winning with it's not even his b game it was like c or d like he wasn't good like until mm-hmm. it mattered like he made a part on 14 or 15 whenever it was today um to birdie the par three and that kind of really just showed a new sense of belief and I think that's the difference between him now like he's he's very quickly does that then he birdies 16 makes a clutch putt on 17 to kind of protect himself and that gave him the shots that he needed to kind of play sensibly like he hit two irons down the the, the hardest hole um on, on 18 and he did make a bogey in the end but it wasn't a bad play and he knew he had two shots to play with so um I think he's now coming into it whereas like he could play so well through three rounds that like it doesn't matter how much pressure he's under Sunday. He might just be in too good of a position. And that's what makes me... That's what kind of draws me to him. So they're the guys that basically are top of my betting card. Yeah, it, I don't disagree. And in terms of DraftKings, I mean, can you put them both together and still remain unique? you got to be pretty unique going, uh, you know, the next four guys. But I price-wise, you can do it. But it uh, almost, it almost of... forces you to be, right? Sorry to cut you off there. But like because of how much salary you're going to have left, like 7.5K average left, like... If you want to play some of the other guys that that we're going to talk about in kind of the eight Ks, like you're going to have to get unique with your, your next two guys. So um, I, th- I think there's an opportunity to just kind of get over that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I think I want to just back to to Ram real quick. Yeah, is it possible for somebody to have be playing basically like shit all year long in terms of his usual standards, then go and win the Open? I just I don't think it is. I think you have to have somebody who's playing well at the moment, right? Just thinking back to, like, I'm guessing Zach Johnson came straight over from the John Deere in 2015 mm-hmm. and probably played well, bearing one his record there. I'm just trying to think. I think of... he was top three. Top he three. Top he three. was tied third. So so that suggests that he had to. 2010, let's have a look at what Oosthuizen was doing. Because I think, I think, and the reason I'm looking at just the St Andrews players is because I, I think it, it's a completely different test. Like if you if we were saying um can you come from a regular event playing badly to winning the open at Carnoustie, I'd say no because there's just too much trouble. 
Um, but St Andreas needs to get away with it. So actually, Ustazen had missed his last two cuts before he won the Open Championship. He missed the wow. cut of the US Open, and he missed the cut of the Scottish Open. And before that, he was 20th at Celtic Manor and 21st in Madrid. Missed the cut of the Masters and Wentworth, the two events before that as well. So he had one earlier in the season. Uh, so there were signs there, but like he wasn't he wasn't playing great. So um, and I think if you probably go down, like you think about the leaderboard, like 2015, we actually had some really strong guys. Like you had you had Ustazen that had the course form. You had Leishman who plays Lynx golf well. Jason Day was Jason Day in 2015. Jordan Spieth was who he was. How were uh, I mean, this is where we're going to have to look into it a little bit, and we can do this while we're talking through. Like Sergio, Justin Rose, Danny Willett, Jordan Niebruge were the, the guys that finished in sixth place. So Jordan Niebruge was obviously an amateur, so he wasn't going to have had too much under his belt. But like Sergio, Rose, and Willett are probably the guys that you want to look at for how they played in 2015. Um, so let's have a little look into those. Just, I mean, just just cover up some thoughts while I look into this and see if, if there's anything that kind of rings your bell while we talk about those. But yeah, I mean, the reason, too, I brought it up is, like, I think in Dave Tyndall's um, trends piece, he said, like, nine of the past ten Open Championship winners have had a, had a top three in their previous, in one of the pro, uh, previous two starts. Yeah, so, and that's the thing, so maybe this is where you have to look at the difference between winning and, like, because I'm, I'm looking at Justin Rose now, and you could argue that he wasn't in great form and finished sixth, but he also finished four shots shy of winning, and he shot a 71 to open and a 70 to close right now. Before the Open Championship in 2015, he finished 74th at the Scottish Open, 27th at the US Open, but had finished second at the Memorial. So, again, he'd already won the Zurich Classic that year. Um, so we're talking about guys I have, that... I have Sergio here. That he he was um, 17th at the Masters, 2nd at the Players, 18th at the US Open, 25th at the Travelers, and 6th at St. Andrews. Yeah, so I think I think there's... That's good like, golf, right? Like, solid golf. Yeah. Like, Danny Willett, Danny Willett missed his two cuts coming in. Uh, the US Open and the French Open, but he'd also finished sixth at the Irish Open, third at the Cadillac uh, match play uh, earlier in the season. So I think, I think as long as you've shown something during the season, then you're okay. And he actually went on to win his next start um, at Cranston Sierra as well. So he was obviously playing good enough golf. So it does suggest that my my kind of takeaway with St Andrews is like if you've shown something in the past five or six weeks and you're not necessarily a Lynx expert. I think this is a course that you can come in and do things. So I think there's guys like, yeah, I can't even think of a name off the top of my head, but like there'll be people that you won't expect in this kind of top 10, top 12 that you'll think, how did they get there? They've never played great link stuff before. And I think, well, because one, they've probably not had many opportunities to do it. And two, it's probably just its own test in St. Andrews. So what if Rahm's 20 to one? Do you bet it? If he's 20 to one, yeah, I'll just bet it. But like, I think we could see 18. I wouldn't feel good about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and if you look at his recent, his last four starts: one Mexico, 48th of the PGA, 10th at Memorial, 12th U.S. Open. So it's not like he's been bad. So I'm, I'm on the fence with him in terms of playing him because I think you can definitely get some leverage up there if you de- if you decide. So he's the only one I'm really kind of debating. Yeah, no, I understand that. So I think we've covered that kind of top end range mm-hmm. there. Um, let's go into we covered Xander in that group as well. So let's go for the rest of the nine Ks. So we've got. Matt Fitzpatrick, Will Zalatoris, Cameron Smith, Patrick Cantlay, Shane Lowry, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama, Victor Hovland. I'm going to rule out Victor Hovland unless you've got something to say on Victor Hovland. But Cross him out. Let's, let's cut that guy off. And then I think everyone else kind of needs some sort of maybe just a minute on each. So I was really impressed with what Fitzpatrick did this week. I, I, I was too. He, he's, he's just having an incredible season. Yeah. And 
you know, he he only he only had that one good round in on Friday with a 66, but everything else was pretty solid, and that's okay on, on a tournament that he was playing. Um, I think he would have to up the ante next week on that because he never really seemed to have that one round or two rounds that that really stood out. Whereas when we come on to a, couple, a player in a minute, like we did, but like, do we expect Will Zalatoris to improve massively on last week? No, I'm not huge on Zalatoris this week. I think St Andrews might kind of neutralize the things that he's best at. I think if it's a uh, place where, you know, the greens are small and he, the, you can just ball strike your way to victory, it doesn't feel like that type of place here. And I think he's kind of just, he's not good enough at anything else to make up for it in a, in a golf course like this. Yeah, like, because when you think about, there's always a narrative that we, you know, when we cover it ourselves as well, like Zalatoris is really good at putting at majors, but like, that's when it's really tough. Like and and par putts matter, and you gain strokes doing it that way. But like he's going to make a ton of birdies here, and um, you know don't necessarily. I, last week I was really keen uh, for this week, like for the Open Championship, and wasn't keen for him for the Scottish Open in the end. Uh, and then he sort of didn't show me anything last week at all, really, like 71, 74, and it just wasn't like if it was really really tough and he got caught in a really bad wave, I'd understand. But like it, no. there was just nothing. So. Um, at the price range, I'm just if I'm playing the Xander, you know, Spieth sort of double, he's just can't come into the reckoning anyway. So um, I'm pretty comfortable leaving Zalatoris out. So then it brings us on to Cameron Smith, who we did chat about before we come on. Um, I was pretty low on him this like, the Scottish Open. I've got to be honest, like I didn't really like his chances. I, I didn't see anything in his links pedigree. Um, shot a 75 on Friday, and I thought that was kind of vindication of what I'd said and, and maybe he was going to struggle and all of a sudden he comes back and you know you sort of said to me how well he played and I was like I didn't even notice the fact he'd actually cracked the top 10 in the end until you sort mm-hmm. of brought it out to me like 68 67 over the weekend um kind of changes my feelings a little bit and also because again if you treat St Andrews as its own test I think that could really lead in because I think as much as people expect him to be really good like on you know wind affected golf and all that sort of stuff like i do still think he's really used to the american style layouts and and benefits from those and that seems to be what st andrews is yep i i think that all good points um i do think it was a great sign this week you know this is probably the best ever start he's had over here uh last week definitely scottish open his did we tie for 10th in the end yeah and so i think i think that was good um i tracked him a lot on uh today sunday because i was Thinking of him a lot for next week, I do think he might drift to the 28, 30, between 28 and 33 to 1, which I think is a good a good betting price for him. Um, his lag putting was great. He's great. Like we said, he's a great win player. Um, you know, and I was looking at the leaderboard in 2015 for uh, St. Andrews, and three in the top 10 were Australian. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, Aussies have played pretty well over here. I think that could, that could, um, and I, you know, another reason I like him too is because if it plays really easy, he's won events at, in the twenties. And if it plays really tough, he's won and he's, you know, battled with the weather and won the players and are very difficult. So I think he can suit both of those things. Um, so I, I'm still very interested in him. Yeah. I mean, you go, even when you go back to like 2005, like you had Michael Campbell who's obviously from New Zealand, but Jeff Ogilvy as well, Australia, like that part of the world seems to do well on this. Now you could argue that like 2015, it's just the best of the best Aussies that are just, mm-hmm. that are just very reliable at major championships and happen to play well. But like, He's in that bracket now. Like he is part of the Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, Jason Day category, uh, and probably a better player. 
He's showing signs at the moment this season that he could be a better player than Leishman ever has been. I don't think he's quite at the stage where he could really ever say that about Jason Day and Adam Scott, not just for longevity purposes, but like he could easily match what Mark Leishman's ever been at this stage, which is not a knock on Leishman. That he's still you know, a very respectable and very solid player, but like I do think he's now creeping into the category of basically a, a better player than him. He is, and I was looking today in the world golf rankings. He's the sixth-ranked player in the world. Yeah, one through one through five all have a major. Yeah, they said he him he's the highest uh, you know ranked player without a major, and Patrick Cantlay's the second. So then you've literally mm-hmm. got Smith, Cantlay, Hovland, Burns, um, all in a row that haven't won majors. And, and of those four, who do you trust the most? I mean, it's got to be Smith. Easily Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was impressed no with what Cantlay done uh, in the end this week. Like I was really again low on him like I was Smith but like for different reasons like I was you know just traumatised by what Cantley's done recently in, in contention but he played really well over the weekend here and I just wonder if that's a really good sign like he's been 12th place in, a, in an open championship before but like and again I think it's an easier golf course which he can take advantage of so I would be interested in Patrick Cantley I just still think that under the gun he could be troublesome yeah I, I agree with that um, I think he started great today, but Fleetwood ended up beating him, and they're in the same group, or they're, or they're tied. Um, so I do think Cantley was very encouraging. I actually liked him for Open Championships in, in general, uh, but I, I'm like you. I have a real hard time seeing with, with what he's done with in, in contention this year and what he's done in most of the majors this year. Um, so I, I'm probably going to be a, a pass on Cantley. And one thing I do want to say left about Cameron Smith, John Daly won here. Um and he had a mullet at the time, so <laughs> yeah. his mullet could go well. It could go well. I mean, I think they were they were already taking uh, Scottish Open pictures of, of his mullet and how he looked, how good he looked. So uh, yeah. he could lean into that. But um, if Catley was low owned, I'd be interested just because I think there's there's a, I mean, we know what the upside is with him, like especially if you like the Masters link, he, we know what he can do at Augusta. But um, yeah, would be really worried about his winning equity. Shane Larry, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama, then. Um, of those three, I probably trust Lowry the most, but I think Dustin's probably got the most upside, and Hideki's the one that worries me now. I think Hideki, like Hovland, is a cross-off. I, I think he's going to live. I think that's... The approach that I'm going to take with these live guys is when they're being speculated slash about to make the move, they're playing horribly, yeah. all of them. And then once they go right away, they haven't played well. But I think once they're settled in, they're okay. Now we're seeing that with, like grace and i thought harding harding played really well this week and some of those guys um uh even otagi made the cut and so i think once they're settled in they're fine but i think in the stage that hideki is in and i actually think victor hovland is in that stage too right now because i think he's going to um and i think that could be a reason why he's playing so horribly uh i'm i'm crossing both of them off both both hideki and and hovland yeah folks Sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. 
The Micro Model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Um, what do we do with Dustin Johnson? I'm playing and I'm, and I'm betting him. It, it, the trouble is, like, he looks, he just keeps looking appealing. Like every, I think every major championship this year, I've kind of said, like, I think Dustin Johnson's too big. Like, and mm-hmm. I think that's just because I'm accustomed to what Dustin Johnson has been for so long. Um, and that's not it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like it's it's just it's just not. And if you can excuse how he sort of come back from that, because he had that 36 hole lead as we referenced earlier, but didn't play for so long. Um, did he shoot like an 80 in round three? Yeah. yeah. Um, but he'd been just sat waiting to play like that. That's really not beneficial. And then I don't think he came back in the best conditions either. So um, if you put together what he'd done for the first 36 holes, then you put together what he's been playing recently since it's kind of, like you said, settled down on Liv, like probably a decent player to play. I mean, you don't normally get Dustin Johnson at 9200, and this speaks to the fact that he's on a different tour now. And the reason I, I love him this week is you talk about how St. Andrews is almost an Americanized type of, uh, course where the guys have played well and he just is a perfect perfect fit for the course when he's on because you get a lot of those wedges in 2015 and even now and when, when he's good like that 75 to 125 he's putting it to five feet every time he's really yeah. great in that range um he's a good putter i think he's an even better putter on slower greens he uh and i think we saw that in the first two rounds in, in 2015 he was unbelievable and i think the guy doesn't play for 36 hours i think that you know that changes things um However, how long and it, was. it wasn't as drastic as an 80 he shot a pair of 75s over the weekend so that's how he dropped that's how he dropped down so much but like i think it's the same reason i think the slow greens is a really good point like i think that's a factor um and to your point about like a lot of wedges and things like that like zach johnson said for the first 11 holes i don't know what round he was talking about but i'm guessing the final round like he said um they didn't have anything more than an eight iron and that's zach johnson yep. like i think i think he said he hit one uh, six iron but he punched it when it was really just an eight iron shot anyway so you know it's always going to be short irons it's always going to be wedges for for the most part unless the wind really changes things and then you want to start looking at the guys uh you know best from 125 and in i guess yeah and so i like dustin johnson i think he's probably going to be 40 to 1 when all is said and done and i'm probably going to bet the 40 um and i'll probably start with spieth and and then go to dj and we'll see about cam smith but that's kind of where the way i'm leaning right now um, and I think he's going to be right now. It's looking very low ownership. I don't expect him to get too popular because the, the guys that are around him. And I think he's a, just a very high upside play. And I think it would be in you know kind of an awesome an awesome thing to watch. And I'm on board for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, I'm just looking at the hundreds, 125 yard range on the PJ Tour right now. And Joshua Creel and Tom Hoger, uh, you know, are tied first. But Justin Thomas third, Colin Morikawa fourth, Cameron Smith sixth, Xander Shuffley seventh, Sam Burns eighth, Gooch ninth. Mm-hmm. Like, does that mean we should be paying a bit more attention to Thomas and Morikawa because they can just put? Because I mean, I, I've said no to Morikawa because of how badly I think he'll play like a true links test. But on the other hand, I'm saying this is an American Americanized test that like maybe he'll just be okay. I, I'd like JT better than him. Yeah. Uh, um, I just think with Morikawa, there's something off with him, and he's 
the, even last year when he, he's, you know, he sucked at the Scottish and that's why everyone was off him. But I said, I said this a couple of times on the show, but prior to that, he was like doubling everybody in the approach numbers. Yeah. It was just so ridiculous. And even at that time, it was ridiculous. He had one bad week in Scotland. So I think that he, he was just a different guy last year at this point. And he'll probably get back to being that guy, but I just, I'm not going to play him until he is. Yeah. And I think, again, it's, it's one of those guys that um, you can tell when it's happening, but he actually lost strokes in approach on both days in Scotland. Um, you know, nearly half a stroke on both days, which is not great for uh, for the guy that basically relies on that. Like, that's really worrisome. That is his main point. Like, if that can't even hold up, then you're uh, slightly concerned about Morikawa. So it, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I could just, he's just one of those guys that, like, at the end of the week, you know it's going to be like, oh, I should have played him because he was 25 to 1 and, you know, he could easily be played. But I can't keep getting myself into those kind of torturous uh, moments. So... I don't really have too much to say on Hideki other than like he was just bad last week. I tried to take a chance, tried to make the case for him, didn't work. Um, so I think that's kind of nine Ks wrapped up, I think. Yeah, agreed. So into the eight Ks now. I'm not going to go through every single player now. Um, do we think Sam Burns can bounce back from a bit of recent form? I don't. No, I'm still not sure. I do think it's a good golf course for him, and I think if he's ever going to do anything in the Open, St Andrews would be the place, but... Uh, yeah, not not confident. So that leaves us for Louis Oosthuizen, who everyone's going to say is not going to be popular because of Liv and Galaxy Braining. It will probably make him popular in the end because he's first and second in this golf course. Like, do we play him? I mean, he's played okay on Liv. I'm I'm going to play him. Are you going to Are you going to bet him? I'm thinking about it. I saw 45. If it gets to 50, I think that's almost an auto bet. Yeah. Just be, his his history on the course, and he's now he's finally starting to get into a groove. He's playing a little bit better. I don't. So I agree with you that I think it could be galaxy brain type situation where he becomes popular because everyone said he's not going to be popular. Yeah. But because of his price, it's not like he's 8,200. Like you have to put it, you have to make the decision of playing him over some guys that people are really going to want to play. Yeah. So I, I do think it might be 10, 11%. He's not going to be unknown, but he's not going to be 18 to 20 either. So I think he's going to be in a perfectly fine spot if you do want to play him. And I do want to play him. Um, obviously it's a perfect golf course for him. He loves it. And I think he's starting to play better and, I think he, you know, you might be an opportunity to get a little bit of leverage. I think the trouble with him is like the way he's priced. The guys around him now are not the popular attraction. Like if Victor Hovland and Deki Matsuyama were playing as they can do, a lot of people would be going there. If Sam Burns was on the form that he was in, he'd be going there. If Hatton showed up at the Scottish Open, like I thought he was going to last week, he'd be. And he did have a chance to be really close last week and just didn't do it. So, um, just maybe not the options around him that would create as leverage as much as you'd want to. But interesting nonetheless. So. Any interest in Hatton after what he done last week? Uh, a little bit. I think he was actually really good for most of it. He had a you know one little bad stretch that kind of cost him. But yeah, um, you know we were both on him. I think sixty six, seventy to one, whatever it was. And I think I still stand by thinking that was a very good bet. Mm. And he a couple of things that I was looking at with him um, that he ranks highly in of things that I really cared about was third in three putt avoidance. Um, he is third in just overall in putting this year and i think an open championship you know really just had to be a good putter um and the way he's putting this year is great just t- 24th in wind in his past 24 so I, I think that a lot of those things are important you know the five to ten foot range he's first on tour this season so i i, I am a little bit and his price is is pretty high so i don't think people will get want to play him too much um but it is high it might be even a little too high for me though Two wins, two seconds, and a 15th in his last five Daniel Link starts, which, of course, you've got to factor in that there's two other courses in that rotation. But, like, for the most part, he seems to play well on the final day, which is always at St. Andrews. And 
I haven't actually sorted through every round individually as to where he shot his low scores each time he won. But like the second time he won, he the worst he shot was 68, I think. Uh, and he shot two rounds of 65 and a final round of 66. So if even one of those is 65, John St. Andrews, like, that's really impressive. And his driving was just off last week. Like he, he wasn't accurate, um, which I don't necessarily think will matter too much here. Um, I think he can get away with... He wasn't drastically offline. Um, and I think he kind of avoided some really bad spots. So um, if he can do that this week, I think he's interesting. But I guess I'd probably trust Tommy more, which isn't something that I've necessarily said recently. Yeah, Tommy is just... I don't trust that he can win, but I do trust that he's going to be there. He's going to have one of the four rounds is going to be low enough to get him somewhere in you know in a, in a decent range, top 15, top 20, top 10. I, I, think, I just think it's a very good chance i think today he struck the shit out of the ball and on on sunday and he he could have easily been eight under and it was frustrating being on him i did get hit him for a top five but i wanted that him uh, on the outright and five foot birdie putt on on the first hole he missed um eight feet on three for birdie he missed and then two more from 11 feet on the on the front nine so he played really really good today and i just think it's it's ever something tommy can win it i feel like this is it yeah I mean, I think he actually missed a cut in the Open in 2015, but he opened with a 69. He was inside the top 20 and then hit a 76 on the second day, which could easily have been weather issues or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you look at it, he's another guy that's got two seconds, three fifths, and a seventh at the Dunhill Links. Like, again, you've got to consider the fact there's other other courses in there, but he's generally very good. Like, even outside of those results, are just listed 13th, 15th, 25th, 55th. Like, he's just so good here. The only missed cut he's ever had. Uh, at St Andrews is actually in the Open Championship, which maybe is a bit worrying, but I think he's he's probably in good enough form to overcome that. Um, so I do think he's a good candidate for a top 10, top 15 finish, but maybe just doesn't make enough parts to get that win. Yeah, I, I the three guys I really was, had start here was, was Louis Hatton and Fleetwood. Anything on Brooks? Uh, I just don't think he's playing well enough. I think in general it's a pretty good course for him, but... Um, he just, even on live, he's, he's been terrible and I just don't trust him. Yeah. He, he was showing some signs earlier in the week of Portland when I was watching him that made me suggest that he was going to be okay. And then he shot that kind of final round seven, six. And again, I don't, I still don't know quite how to pass that from a negative or positive standpoint, but, um, he's one, he's, he's one of those guys that I still think if he won on the weekend, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm not going to pin my uh, flag to him. I'd much rather go to fee now and fleet with either side of him. Yeah, there's one guy who might challenge Xander and Spieth for ownership, and it's going to be Finau. Yeah. He's going to be 19 20%, and partly because of his open uh, championship history, which is excellent, but it's also because of his price. 8400 you kind of stick him in any lineup and have him the third guy in, or, you know, and uh, so I think I'll probably avoid him just because of ownership, and I hope that, and I'll just pray that that trend kind of reversed itself and how well he's played in opens, but I totally understand why people are playing him. Anything on Sanjay, Corey Connors, Bryson, or Wacky Neiman to finish off the 8K range? Bryson, I'm interested in. Um, he's going to be pretty much unowned. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing 2%. You know, we've always said how you, you mentioned earlier how we thought he could really tailor this place up, and I always have. Um, and I'm not of the camp that a lot of people think Bryson doesn't care about being great, doesn't care about winning majors. He doesn't. He only cares about his off-course stuff and making YouTube videos. I get all. I get all that. I di- but I disagree. I yeah. think he cares greatly about his, his legacy. I think he cares about winning majors. I think he wants to get to the top again. Um, is he ready to get there now? No, probably not. But I, I'm, I'm on the fence. I could take a chance on him. Uh, I am going to take a chance on him because 
he showed a little bit well, again like we, we spoke about people that you knew were going to make them like he came out and he was one of those people that said i'm not going to live like i'm not going to do it until all the best players have left there and then he did go so there was all obviously he knew he was going to face some backlash um he did have that hand injury which i do believe was you know challenging but he showed some signs uh in in portland which suggests that he could play some good golf um there's just a ton of upside. Like like you said, I think he does buy into the nostalgia factor of like a St. Andrews. Like I think he, that he cares about that. Like winning an Open at St. Andrews, winning a US Open, winning the Masters are all kind of, you know, high on his type of list. I mean, he was pretty sure he got to as big as like 150 to 1 over here on like our betting exchange. Um, well, he's actually been 220 at some point, but that would have been like when he was, you know, not playing at all. So, um, but he was low as 14 to 1 when this market opened up. So, um, it kind of shows where he is. I, I do think he's capable of winning um, still. I don't know if he could... Like, I think he needed three or four more events before that happened. I don't think he's had enough of a run. But um, I think he's worth chancing. Yeah, everything you said I agree 100% with is exactly the same way I feel. I think he's probably not ready to win because I, I agree with you. He's two or three or four starts away because I think the hand thing is, is a big part of it. You know, so when you saw JT when he hurt his wrist, he was not himself for two years. You mm-hmm. saw Daniel Berger, same thing. Um, so I think the hand wrist, you know, stuff is definitely a big thing for a golfer. I do think he's going to win soon. I think he's going to be winning majors at, again at some point in his career. I, but I do think he's a couple of starts away, but it doesn't mean I won't won't give him a shot. Anything for Sanjay M, who was hugely popular at US Open and then kind of let everyone down? No. Do you think there's a point now where everyone's going to just jump off him because they let him down? Yeah, I do think so, yep. But I also think that's probably merited, right? Like, I don't I don't think the form now he's had that kind of miscut suggests that he has to play. Like, he was miscut in 2019, his only Open Championship start, so um, not necessarily got a re- I haven't got a reason to back him other than um, other people won't be. None. Corey Connors and Wacky. I, I quite like Wacky Neiman. I do like Neiman. I think he's going to be decently popular at 8K because he, he gives you a lot of reason to uh, a lot of things that you can do in a maneuver. And he never got worse than 71, which is his final round score today. So he opened up 69 69, which left him probably in a decent position going into the halfway stage um, of this tournament. So where was he placed after that? So he was in eighth place. Uh, he was five behind Tringali. But when you think about the fact that, you know, Chauvelet, Kitsiyama, Fitzpatrick, all at three under. He was literally one behind that bunch. And they were the guys you were probably targeting. Maybe Woodland at the time, two behind him. But I don't think Tringali's seven under lead was really ever a factor. So um, he was right in the hunt through 36 holes last week. And I think that's actually quite promising. It is. And I think, I don't think he can win this right now. But I do think at his price, he can definitely pay that off at 8K flats. Pretty cheap price for him. And he is going to be popular. You're right. Uh, him and Homa are both going to be the two really guys that people are going to down here, and that's you know, basically it. Um, so I think you know most lineups are going to have either Homa or or Neiman, but I do think he can definitely outscore his his pricing considering he has that you know driving power. He might have five eagle looks, yeah. You know if if he plays the course the right way. So um, I do think he can you know get a lot of drafting points in that way. I don't mind playing him. He's going to be probably too popular for me, and um, I could you know I think it's his ceiling is pretty high, but I, I think his floor isn't as high as I want it to be too. Like, it wouldn't shock me if he was terrible next week. Yeah, he could miss the cut. He, he yeah. is that guy that, like, I kept thinking that at some point his consistent was going to come about and it just doesn't. And and some golfers never find that, right? Like, Mark Leishman isn't a consistent golfer, but just wins six or seven tournaments on the PJ Tour, can contend in majors. Like, I, I think, again, I think he's a better player than Mark Leishman. I don't know why I keep picking on Mark Leishman, but, like, 
it, it, it feels like that type of thing that like he's volatile and can win and contend in these big tournaments, but you know offers no real floor. So um, if he was really popular, I wouldn't go there. Daniel Berger's obviously now out. That doesn't say that yet on DraftKings, but he's uh, he has been replaced by uh, Sahith Vergara, I believe it was that came in for him. Uh, Max Homer, you spoke about, is going to be popular and. I think for good reason. Like he, he's showing signs of of major contention soon, um, but yeah, if they're going to be really popular, I think you go away. Don't like Cameron Young, uh, and I'm very normally quite low on McIntyre, but his open record's been very good so far. Yeah, and I think the problem that we're encountering right now is the guys we like at the top are all really popular, and we need to find some guys who aren't popular to play with them. Yeah, um, and starting in this range, right? Because we're not, we can't really play anyone in the in the high eight Ks if you want to go down that road. But you got to find someone in this, maybe in these sevens and, and low eights, and um, maybe Bryson opens that up for you. But yeah, McIntyre, I don't, I think he'll be one of the more popular guys in the range. I don't think he's going to be, you know, incredibly popular, like maybe nine or ten percent. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be for me this week, though. To be honest with you, no. I I hate this 7k range and it, it, yeah. it, I don't know what to do and it sucks because it's a really important range like um, Adam Scott obviously showed up at the US Open and we kind of referenced that it could possibly happen um, do we have any reason to believe that he'll do that again I I, th- I think so like he, he's a he's a really solid open championship player um, you know that that's that's important um, ten tier. 10th here in in 2015 like we referenced the fact those three Aussies were were up there like and even like Marcus Frazier was like top 20 as an Australian Stephen Bowditch was 30th Matt Jones was 30th Ogilvy Sendon all made the cut Greg Chalmers made the cut like there's a lot of Australians that did really well Brett Rumford made the cut so it it does tend to pay off is he I think the thing with Scott is like do we ever think he can win a major again? Probably not. He doesn't. So he doesn't have to at seventy-seven hundred. But does the allure of going after Adam Scott at seventy-seven hundred go away when you don't think he can win or really even top five? Yeah, it does. It does it definitely. I mean, because last couple of years I've been thinking he can still win the Masters again, and I've been kind of going after that and, and hoping for that to happen again. It just really it doesn't seem like he's ever been come close to really contending in a major. He. Um, but I mean, the U.S. Open, that whatever, 13th or 15th, whatever he was, um, was encouraging because he's been pretty bad in the majors. You and I had came to the realization of this, even though it seems like he's been good. He's yeah. been pretty bad. So that, that 13th of the U.S. Open or whatever, I think was encouraging. Um, he doesn't play a lot of golf. I, I'm worried about it, but I'm, I'm definitely considering it. Yeah, I'll probably put him in. Um, I guess we'll do 30 seconds to Tiger Woods. Do we think he's going to make the cut? I do think he's going to make the cut. Top thirty. Yeah. I think that's probably a ceiling. Yeah, I, I think I think if he finished thirtieth, he'd be really pleased. Like I think mm-hmm. what he did at the Masters is probably akin to what he can do here. Um, I think yep. he, he he'll put on a show. Um, but like you know, even like the PGA before he had to kind of withdraw, like he he was really exciting, and I think he can do that and then just fade away. But it depends how many birdies he makes in that time frame. Um, other than that, this range just sucks. I mean, Sergio obviously can play open championships, but he's just so bad right now. Mm-hmm. He is bad. I, I will probably play Sergio. Um, it's like a drug. A lot. It's a drug for you, right, Sergio? <laughs> it is. But I didn't play him at the last one, and it, and it worked out. Um, the reason why I'm thinking, like, he's been playing bad this year because he probably knew the whole time he's going to live. Like I said, during the speculation phase and during the right jump phase, I think these guys have all been bad. I think maybe the dust has settled enough. 
he's going to a place where I don't think at St. Andrews they're going to care all that much about the guys who have gone to live. Uh, really, it's not like it is in the Twitter bubble. And I think he's played this course so well in his career. Like, unbelievable. Three three starts, three top 15s, is that right? Yeah, he's 14th and 6th the last two. I haven't gone back to the one before, but that would make sense. He was in his peak of his powers even then, right? So I can't see why that wouldn't be the case. I think he was, yeah, he was 5th in 2005 as well. Yeah. So three three top 14s. So I'll probably I'll probably take a chance on him. No one's going to play him. Um, so I, I, th- I think it's. A... I think the thing with like St Andrews is it is a bit like the Masters in Augusta, where you're going to get guys that turn up in the top twenty. The only thing that could take away from the fact is there is no weather. Like it would almost be beneficial to them, if, like if Tiger and Scott and Sergio and whoever else, like if there was some tough conditions, because they know how to deal with that and the golf course. Um, but yeah, I think I think he's. If you put like Bryson and Sergio in a lineup, you're you're potentially getting two miscuts straight away. But all of a sudden, that's giving you the unique balance that you you know you're looking for after playing the top guys at the top. This is what I care about with Sergio. Do you think he even cares about this type of stuff anymore? No, I don't think he does. That's the, that's the only problem I have. Um, I think he has the talent to do it. I think he's still fine. I like I think I like older guys at at this course. Um, I think it's been pretty obvious that he just hasn't cared since winning the Masters. Like, I think he just achieved... Like You know when you see these guys that win their first PGA Tour event and they go on that really bad patch for a little while? Like He he finally achieved his life goal mm-hmm. and he did it at probably the venue that he maybe didn't expect to do it at and that was even more exciting for him. And I think he just went, do you know what? I'm done. Like... That's why I'm going to live. Like I, I, I'm here to make a ton of money. Like he gets really fed up with like rules infractions. He gets fed up with penalty shots and all that sort of stuff. Now, like if he gets a bad line to bunker, he's, he's game over. So like I just think he just he just wants to get in, get his money, get his little bit of recognition for the week. And I don't think it'll be long before he kind of bails out. Yeah, I, I think that's all good points, and that's the reason why I'm hesitant. But I think I might give him a chance. Um, Rose is going to be popular in this range. He. I imagine a lot of people were maybe maybe making these uh, lineups and starring these players before he was completely horrible over the weekend. Yeah, I get, I can still see Rose though. Like, I do think I think Rose cares and like that that is important. Like I think he's a complete bipolar opposite to um, to Sergio. So I, again, I don't feel great about it. And I don't feel great about anyone in this seven k range. But like, yeah, that I would probably take Rose over Sergio in terms of confidence. I like Seamus Power as well. Um, I think he... Is he going mean, to be popular? Yeah, he's going to be a, a bit popular. Him and Rose are both the two popular guys, um, sub, you know, the lower half of the seven. But the again, seven like, sometimes you have to appreciate why they're popular. Like 27th in the Masters, 9th in the PGA, 12th in the US Open. He's probably someone that can play Lynx golf anyway, and it's a golf course that suits American style of golf that he's played his whole career. So... I think he deserves to be reasonably popular and someone that you can probably put in as a, you know, at least your second to last pick. Yeah, and he um, he's 10th in this past 24 rounds in, in par 4 scoring, which is obviously important with 14 par 4 par 4s here. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, like you said, some guys are popular for a reason. We talked last week about how popular Xander was going to be, right? And he, and he won the tournament. So I don't think... You know, obviously, I'm not, if I if I do make a speed Xander lineup, I probably won't put power in that one. You know, I might put Sergio in that one if I'm going to do that and see kind of hopefully to try to mix it up a little bit. Um, so I do like him. I do. He's he's a guy who I do feel is 
has a higher floor, he's kind of a safer guy in this range. So I have one that I don't know whether he's going to be popular or not, but this feels like someone that can do it based on some of the things we said earlier. JT Poston 7300. And I just think about him as kind of like this kind of Zach Johnson mold, which helps because he's just won the John Deere Classic, right? But Brendan Todd was 12th here in 2015. And Brendan Todd had finished 15th at the Travellers and 6th at the Green Buyer coming into finishing 12th at the Open. So I think it was just, a, and he'd finished 17th at Memorial as well. So I think it just rewarded someone that was in good form. JT Poston's obviously finished second and first. So when someone's in that kind of form and it's a golf course that doesn't necessarily rule out people that are a little bit shorter off the tee and, and you know, good with their wedges, I think I can play a guy like Poston. Yeah, great putter too. Um, I agree. There's gonna, this is going to be a tournament where you see these kind of guys who pop up. And um, I think you said this last week, like American players who no one really think of an open, if they're going to pay for cheap guys, it'd be like more European players. But like Tringali was a guy last week who goes overlooked because of that. And I think Poston is, is along the same lines. I probably won't play him, but uh, I get it. Nick Watney and Sean O'Hare were tied 10th uh, or tied 7th in 2010. Now, I know they were, we're talking about two you know potentially elite talents they never really fulfilled it but like they had the ability to be like that but like even like 2000 like i just i just felt like you got players up there that weren't necessarily i mean lauren roberts obviously won uh eight times on the pj tour but it's not a guy that ever goes down in history as being this like really you know standout performer and like i mean i don't even know who pierre folk is from sweden uh in 2000 <laughs> um so Interesting. It's really weird because like 2005, like this is like names of names. So Woods beats Montgomery, Couples, Olathebel, and then it was Michael Campbell, Sergio Garcia, Retief Goose, and Bernard Langer, Jeff Ogilvy, VJC. So like that's about as good as you can get in terms of getting all the elites in. Um, and then 2010, you you kind of get a little bit of a mix like Robert Rock, Nick Watney, Sean O'Hare, Martin Keimer in seventh place. Um, you kind of got the guys first, second, third, but like. I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Like especially 2015, you had Robert Streb was 18th. Um, yeah, it just it just feels like there's going to be a chance for a, an inform American player to outplay. Like who's going to be more popular, a Poston and Christian Bezuin? It is probably going to be Seabez. I'm seeing six percent. Poston five. Okay, so I prefer Poston. Yep, as I normally do. Bezuin how is has been solid uh, and he did play pretty well at the Scottish but like I never see an upside for him especially in this kind of tournament um, so yeah I think I'd, I'd quite like to play Poston there um, any others for you in the kind of 7k range? Yeah one more uh, a lot of things you said about Poston and um, kind of that range talking about Sean O'Hare and uh, a guy who kind of reminds me in that mould especially at St Andrews who I think who benefit from the run out great wedge player great putter Kevin Na at 7k um, <laughs> he he and no one's going to play him. No. Um, he hasn't been playing all that great on the lift, but I, I think in terms of, you know, what Zach Johnson's done well in his career, like Kevin Nas is right up right up that mold. Yeah. I just, he's another guy I don't believe in anymore. Like, I went through this yeah. stage, like, when he won those, like, kind of four tournaments from 2018 onwards, like, I started to think there was, like, a, a second career for Kevin Nas, and then he's just very clearly suggested he just doesn't care anymore. And, you know that that's the biggest gripe that people have um, with, with this live golf thing, anyway. But like, I don't know. It, I just don't. I just don't believe in him anymore, which is which is sad because he's a guy that I was betting quite a lot at you know bigger prices, and I thought he he should have been. So um, 
a little bit disappointed, but it'd be interesting to see what he does. Like skill set wise, yes, I agree. Uh, I think that's the same thing. Do we? Is Fox going to suddenly become unpopular now because he's played badly at the Scottish Open? Yeah, I, I, not completely unpopular, but he's not going to be way different than he was. You know, it's funny too because he was popular at eighty five hundred and now he's seventy one hundred, and he'd still be reasonably popular, like maybe eight to ten percent. But um, at seventy one hundred, it's actually not I, that bad. I think you play Ryan Fox because I, I think that. I said this last week. Like it was gonna, it was all like people were gonna let what happened at the Scottish Open determine how they play him this week, and I don't think it matters. Like it's not a good golf course for him. He doesn't, he doesn't like um, that Scottish Open course, and the fact he made the cut might even just be uh, a benefit. Similar here, he hasn't played great at the Dunhill Links, uh, which could be a concern. But I think he made the cut in this Open. He shot uh, 69 and a 67. So through 36 holes, he was inside the top 25, and then he shot Saturday 76 or Sunday 76, whatever it was that time, uh, and then bounced back with a 67 in the final round. So he's shown the potential to score on there, and he's playing a lot better. So I will probably play him. I was thinking about Keegan Bradley, um, just because I think it can be rewarded with the kind of wedge play and stuff, but I don't think he's going to make enough putts in the in the type of scoring that we need. And Jordan Smith fits in that same mould as well. Yeah, that's a no for me on, on both of them. Danny Willett. <laughs> he was so bad this week that it scared me. But he is so good on this golf course um, that I kind of want to do it. And I guess at, at 7K, you can take a chance. If So you seem to think that it's going to be played pretty easy this week. That, I don't think, helps Willett. But he was okay here in 2015 when he played easy, right? He was sixth. Okay, yeah. Um he was. The, I, I can't get was, him right. He was one behind Dustin going into that break, and I think he probably suffered the same issue as Dustin. Shot Sims two seventy over the weekend. I can't get him. I, I mean, I got him really right for the Dunhill Links and bet him a hundred to one, and it, I've stunk since trying to predict what he's going to do. So um, I did not see what he did at the Masters this year, uh, and he did it. Then he played well at the Canadian Open. It feels like he's playing well at golf courses he should do, which is kind of eye catching. I'm just really scared about what he did at Renaissance. Yeah, that is a little bit scary. Uh, I, I, yeah, it makes some sense. High upside play, I think, at this in the, at this price. I mean, when he's right, he could win at St Andrews, right? Yeah, like that, that's the thing. Like, I I do think, like, I still believe in him a little bit, and that's going to waver in the next couple of years. But it's fine for now. Yeah, I, I like it. Any interest in Tringali after last week? Stenson, Hoagie, Harris English. No, none of them. No, cool. I thought Harris English was interesting. I thought he's been kind of bouncing back a little bit, and but just faded away again over the weekend. So it's a bit of a concern. Need, needs a couple more starts under yeah. his belt. I think I think he's definitely one to keep an eye on. I think he's going to do something big pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So then we're in the uh, the business end, Matt, of of the podcast. We're uh, we're here. Uh, this is what everyone kind of wants to hear: the the six K plays. And I hate to break it to everybody, it's going to be tough. And it's going to be tough to be unique because the guys that appear obvious are going to be obvious to everybody else. So we will try and find uh, some others that maybe people aren't interested in. But straight off the top, I'm going to get rid of Himuli. Yeah, I agree with that. I like Lucas Herbert. And mm-hmm. I don't know what to do about Kevin Kisner. I don't, I don't love Kisner. I haven't been playing him really much at all. I know he he played well in his in his most recent start, but I think he's been so inconsistent. Um, what has he done here? 
So I think he played here in 2015, right? Let me just double check. I'd imagine he did. Um, I'm sure there was a reason that I liked him, so I'm guessing he probably played. He missed a cut uh, here in 2015, but he's played well in open championships in the past, right? Isn't it Carnoustie that he was like third? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which is obviously another Scottish goal. I, I think he's one of those ones that, again, probably needs it a little bit tougher, but we know he can go uh, low. But again, just sneaky. Like He's made five of six cuts in the Open Championship. And there's only been two really decent finishes, the second and thirtieth, but I just think that's a little bit eye-catching for someone that is priced high enough that it put people off, but also priced low enough that it makes it worth it. Um, just started that Travelers Championship really well. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's in the Zach Johnson mold. That's right? what I'm thinking. It's just Zach Johnson, Kevin Narbrand, and Todd kind of mold. I think when you see major championships and there's someone odd in the top 12, Kevin Kisner fits that mold. Um, yep. I thought Mitchell was going to do that sort of thing at the Scottish Open as well and uh, didn't, right? He didn't do anything. Did he miss the cut? I think he did. Um, I, I was just completely out. And I, he just strikes me as just the opposite of, of, a, of a Lynx guy and I just yeah. I just can't get over it. I kept trying to think that he'd be okay because he played well in that Honda Classic and there's a bit of win there. Uh, he, finished, mm -hmm. he finished 36, shot 66 today. Okay, that's good then. So, I'm sure people will play him. They yeah, like to play him. Like that was that was a good sign. Um, the more obvious ones, Lucas Herbert. Are we going back there? I don't know. I he's going to be popular, this, right? Yeah, I think he'll be. So I'm, right now, I'm looking at in this range in the sixes, the guys who most people are going to be playing. I'm seeing Mitchell seven percent, Herbert five point seven, Kirk and Hughes are going to be the other two that people are playing. That's about it. So uh, he missed the cut tragically. Uh, and he shouldn't have done. He was right there uh, to, to play really well, and all of a sudden just flipped and missed the cut, and it was really concerning. But I think that put, well, I thought he'd put enough people off that it was worth doing. Um, but yeah, I, th I think there's a there's a reason to trust him. I like him better because of that. Yeah, like that, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, definitely like, like him better because of that. Like I'm hoping like some of the projections we're seeing now were you know before the you know the you know start of play and. Just trying to remember what he's done uh, in Dunhill Links. He finished seventh in the past. Like, never shot better than 69 that week, and he shot a 70 on the final day, so it's not like he's low scoring, but I think he can be there. So that was interesting enough for me. Um, oh, if he plays well last week, he's 13% at 6,900. Right, and that's the thing. You know, it, it depends. Like, if you see that from a player um, and, and you believe that can happen, um, then you should probably take notice a little bit. Emiliano Grillo's got two 12th place finishes in the Open Championship. Two, He's been playing pretty well. Two 12s, three missed cuts. So it's, it's feast or famine for, for Grillo. I remember watching him last year and, and being, you know, fairly impressive what he did. Shot 64, 65 at John Deere when he was second. Finished 28th at the Canadian. I've been saying for probably five or six episodes now I want to play Grillo, and I think this might be a good spot to do it. Could be. Um, it could be... I just I don't trust him, and especially in a place where you have to get so creative and, and making putts and holding putts in an open championship. And I I probably won't um, because of that, but I, I do I do understand the appeal. Yeah, I mean he's played the Dunhill Links uh, three times, 29th, 42nd, his two best appearances, but he was 13th after 54 holes. So um, you know he's, he's got something there. I think it's it's really slim. I like Wyndham Clark. I like Ju Young Kim. Both of those guys, uh, 6,600 and 6,500. Um, and then I start to get a bit worried. Maybe Alexander Bjorka, 6,400. Okay, yeah, those are interesting. The guys I was kind of looking at um, were 
Justin Harding at 6,800. He's he struggled over the weekend, um, but you know South African. Obviously, some other South Africans have been great here. Grace has a top 10. Louis has the two wins. I think um, you know he's kind of getting a bit of a rhythm. I had him first round leader. He finished like two shots off uh, this past week. So I, I was looking at him. No one's probably going to play him. Sam Horsfield. Um, you talk about kind of the Americanized link style, and I feel like he's kind of a, a good fit for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harding's struggled here in the in the Dunhill links, but that doesn't necessarily mean. I think that's the thing as well is like, it might be a good thing to sit because when you see course one at the moment, people are, I don't know how fans national are showing it, but like on tour tips, it's just got the result from the Dunhill links, right? And that that's not just the one course. So I think some people can get one caught out and two put off by players just because of you know being shown that they had like they could have been terrible at Carnoustie. Carnoustie is horrendous at times especially in bad weather and that might have made them miss the cut um, so I do think there's an opportunity to kind of look at those results and go that like don't worry too much about it um, it's obviously a positive if they've done good things there um, but not necessarily to weigh too much on it I mean how Tong Lee was a guy that had you know he finished 14th for the Dunhill links uh, last year off the back of like some horrendous form uh so at 6900 i think he's maybe worth a go he obviously made the cut and then did nothing this weekend but um how is horsefield at the dunhill links he's got a, and by the way they don't even have that in phoenix natural no no european tour stuff right okay so he is um i'm pretty sure he was 35th one year and two missed cuts is what okay. horsefield's done so but that doesn't necessarily mean much. Like he was, he, he's a different player these days. Uh, I do like him a lot. I, it's just again, like you can have to go with your gut down the six k range. I think. What about Burmy? He was good this week. Yeah, I thought about this earlier. Like I thought he might have an opportunity, and he's got thirty fourth and seventh his last two starts in the Dunhill Links. So that's that's promising. He sort of sixty five on the final day last year, like climbed up the level. I think it was him and Danny Willett that like really put impressive rounds in on the Sunday. Um, so that's one to kind of look out for. I. I Where just, did he finish today? Uh, let's have a look. I think he was good. He was 10th. Yeah. Along with Cameron Smith. So, um, it's good signs. It's, it's it's good signs. I He's got the game for it. Like, he, he's, you know, he gets streaky with the putter. He's a long hitter. Like, take advantage of that. I just, I just, I never know what to expect of him. Like, he was, he's a little bit more predictable now. He seems a little bit more solid than he once was. Um, but still kind of concerns me. Are we... Are we looking at stats from last week as like any sort of indicator? Like, are you worried too much about it? Like, I'm just looking at some of the sort of in-play numbers um, from last week. So, I believe this is in-play from last week. How Tong Lee led the field and approach. Wow, that's interesting. It's nearly nearly 7.7 strokes on approach. Uh, a lot of that he gained 4.3 on day one. Um, but that might just be something. I mean, he actually never shot better than 70, so I'm guessing he putted horrendously, um, or his driver was a little bit off. But that's, I mean, I, I would have to double check these to make sure they're kind of right. But this has got Houghton Lee at first, Alex Smalley second, Brandon Wu third, Troy Merritt fourth, Matthew Pavon fifth, Connor Simon sixth, and Shuffleet seventh. Like, what can you Strange, isn't it? Seems strange. But none of those guys have really even really finished that high. No, I mean, Clark was there, Neiman was there, Shuffle was there, Hatton was playing well for a good period, Juon Kim was in top 20, Speed. I think it's a bit quirky, some of their stats um, on that thing, because it had, it had John Rahm as the best total driver. 
that may, that's a little strange too because I was looking at this this um, the other day and or I think yesterday after the round after Saturday's round and it said like he was average to the field off the tee. Yeah. So so maybe so who we don't I don't know I need to I need to kind of these are very early stats that might be from something else. Um, but I don't know what else they could be from. Like it's got all the right players in there. I mean it says that John Rahm was seventh in distance and eleventh in accuracy. So for the event, I have I think I have the same thing actually. Looking at data golf, Lee I have Lee Merritt Knox Wu Smalley, uh, Hovland, which was strange per round. He he just missed a bunch of short putts, um, and then Xander Hatton, Rasmus, yeah, those guys in the top of the field. Um, off the tee, do I have Rom up there? And no, I've List Broberg Neesmith, Stone, uh, then Homa Sink Burmy, Fleetwood. Uh, so. So, yeah, I think, you know, some of the stuff. So to answer your question, I do think stats matter less in these type of events. And like these approach numbers, I think, are good. But it's why I feel like you can't carry it the way you could at, I don't know, Bay Hill or something like that. Like, no, that's I think a guy like Zalatoris is less valuable because of that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I think there's just there's just nuances to this golf course that, you know, one makes it easier than a general open play, like open setup, but also makes it harder to gain an edge. I think is probably the best way to put it. Um, and you know those typical approach guys are maybe not going to stand out. So um, anything else in the six car range? I mean, it, it kind of makes me shudder down here. So I'm not going to go too far into it unless you have anyone else you want to talk to. No, I before I I do um, take one more quick sweep. I do want to say. Tommy gained almost three strokes on approach just today. Yeah. Uh, so he, he was absolutely striping it on Sunday. So I think that's good. Oh, yeah. Um, is Olsen in the field? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he got in. Okay, so he's a guy I'm interested in. Um, he gained no, two strokes on I approach. I lied. He's not playing. Oh, I man, thought, that stinks. I thought he was in. Um, I really wanted to play him. What about Thomas Dietrich? He, yeah, I get him in... Um, and Burmese are a little bit confused. I, I think of them as, as pretty much the same guy. So he, he was good this week too, right? He finished 10th, and he it seems like everyone we kind of spoke about finished 10th. But like he opened with a 73, and it went 67, 69, 69. And I'm pretty sure he hit like hit the ball decently well, which is something. Yeah, like he was first in driving distance and 35th in accuracy, according to these stats. Again, we're, we're not entirely sure. But he apparently gained nearly nine strokes tee to green. So it had it has Xander at ten point four T screen, Alex Smalley nine point two, Dietrich eight point eight, Wyndham Clark eight point seven, Burmese to eight point three, Jordan Spieth seven point eight. So I mean they kind of those kind of make sense because you got uh, Fratelli up there, which I'm guessing was a lot to do with a driver, but Ju Young Kim was eighth, Kitayama ninth, Fleetwood eleventh. So Fleetwood has gained four and a half strokes T screen. Yeah, I, I like him I like him and I like um like your point, Dietrich. I like Dietrich and Burmester down here. That's those are probably the two guys I'll go to. Horsefield, I'm a little bit interested in. Um, those are probably that's probably it. Yeah. So Dietrich and Wyndham Clark, I like at the same price. I think they're both kind of interesting. Um, I'm just putting lineups together, like as we speak, and it, it kind of worries me because I don't really trust anyone in that kind of. So I think you've almost got to try and get like three really elite guys in which is just basically impossible unless you go really low down um which is concerning to me like i tried to just go like speed smith shuffle it just doesn't work like you're just gonna mm-hmm. have a horrendous time doing that so you do i guess maybe you just gotta make your choice between speed and shuffle yeah that, that could be it um 
And I think I would, you know, based on that discussion, I would choose Spieth just because I don't think Xander's going to win, whatever, three starts in a row or yeah. four starts four in a row. Because of the pro. Yeah. So I, I think I'd rather go to Spieth. That's probably what I would do. Um, and then maybe dip down to, you can go Spieth and, and Cam Smith. I like that, you know, and kind of a similar type of player. And I guess the big elephant in the room that we haven't discussed at all is potential weather splits. Yeah, and and there's a reason I didn't discuss this because I just I never know what's I don't I just don't know like it just sucks like because if it happens like it did last time and you get a delay those weather splits go out the window like they did at the players like mm-hmm. but we didn't think there was going to be one at the Scottish Open and then all of a sudden one just appeared and it's... but the night before they kind of did. And I, I waited a while for my first round leader to post that because I was like, I want to see what the weather does. And by Wednesday night, it seemed pretty obvious right. that there was. I, I just mean by the time we recorded, right? That, like, there was nothing. We couldn't. I have to write all my first round leaders up on like Tuesday, and there was still nothing. And then Wednesday come around, and like, I was recording the live show with uh, with Sky, and it was like, oh, like these morning guys are going to benefit. And I was like, oh, good. Like, that's basically three of my five selections out. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so I, I think you have to look at it, and I think. These stacks make a lot of sense. I mean, if you can get all guys on one wave and the other wave is completely eliminated, you're in such a good spot to try to win something big. And even these showdowns, like I never play showdowns, but this week I was like, I'm going to try it. Everyone says this is what you need to do to get. And I played an all morning showdown and I quadrupled my money. And I, my lineup wasn't even that good. It was just average. Yeah. So there's such an, in, I think only 5 to 10% of the field is really weather stacking. So I think it's definitely something you need to keep an eye on. Um, so, we, you know, keep a close eye on the weather and see what happens because there's a huge advantage to be gained. Yeah, it's almost like. It's annoying because like we want to be out there and get the content out there first, but like it's almost like if you can get an episode out on Wednesday, you're so well, so much more informed. You've heard some interviews, you've heard some presses, you've heard some weather splits. You, you maybe an update is is needed, but like there's something we can kind of discuss on and off during the week. But like maybe we'll tweet some stuff out. I don't know. It's it's hard what way to do it, but it is going to be a factor. But if it transpires we just don't we just don't know like it's just so hard as at this now, stage as of now you're not seeing anything in terms of weather yeah nothing i can okay. see at the moment. but okay that i mean to be honest the only thing i would say is i haven't looked that much i mean let me just yep. see if there's anything i can find very quickly while we're talking if i go on the wind finder app and st andrews I think I, I've just always taken this hard line that don't bother, and it's it's not paying off very well for me at the moment. So I need to probably reassess that. Yeah. Um, because I I think it's just one of those ones that I just find really hard to get right. Uh, how do I find St Andrews on the Windfinder? Even if you just do one lineup of that, just in case, or you know, if you like, if you if it looks like it's going to be all uh, AM PM, then do all those lines. Then just do one PM AM just in case. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. There's probably something you, sh- you should look at. So, Thursday at the moment, if this is this says St. Andrews, Scotland. Uh, Luchars Airport. I don't know if that's anywhere close to it, but we can have a little look into it. Um, doesn't seem to be much. Like there, There's gusts. So, apparently, there's a, there's a bit of a bit more of a gust Friday morning, like it was 7 o'clock. So maybe maybe you want some some uh, early starters Thursday, but again it kind of creeps up in the afternoon again as well. So um, yeah, it, I don't think it's going to be massive. Like I don't I don't think it's going to be. There's not anything huge to me that stands out. Um, but maybe at the moment, if there was anything, it would be um, 
those early starters that are avoiding the the Friday morning gusts. Okay, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, it's something that I don't think is worth necessarily locking until later on in the week. So yeah. let, let's summarise then. Let's let's look at our 10Ks and above. Who's your favourite play? Uh, Spieth, 10K. Yeah, I'm going Spieth. Uh, 9K, we both... I guess, would you be Cameron Smith? Cameron Smith for me, yep. I am warming to him, but I'm just going to go Xander. I just, I just think he's one of the two people I really like to win the goal tournament. Uh, the 8K range, I think this could, could be interesting. I'm going to go with um, Louis. It's close for me, but I just think Fleetwood is the safest. I'm going to go with Neiman. I, I think there's just there's something that could happen for him this week. Uh, I like I like the fit for him. Uh, 7K? Oh. Uh. This is horrible. Um, it's horrible. I, I mean, I don't want to say Sergio because I'm scared to get made fun of, but I, I'm, <laughs> I, I do like Sergio. I meant to ask you this too. We kind of glossed over him. What about Paul Casey? Yeah, I, again, that was one of those ones that I had ready to talk about, and then I was concerned about the time because I think it would take a little bit of time up. He can't come and compete now, can he? After not playing, yeah, I know. After uh, after not just... playing and going to live? He, like, no, probably. He, he's made way too many comments to... Like the opposite, that like I, I want to play him because he's got a top three finish here in the past. Like, well, if this was St Andrews 2019, like I'd be playing him in 100% of lineups, and 100% of people would be playing him because yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's that guy that like, yeah, I don't know. I think again, does he care what people think? He no, he doesn't care. Yeah, that's what I, that's kind of why I do like him. Is like he doesn't. I don't think he really cares he, what people think about him. He's been the most arrogant personality yeah. on tour for for years, right? So he really doesn't care. I, I'm not so worried about that. I'm just worried about the the fatigue of, of just not playing. Um, he's going to be one of those guys that just put in a lineup just to see because if he, he finishes top ten and you know no one's on him, that's a great sign. Uh, JT Poston for me in the seven K range. Um, okay. Yep. Six uh, K. Um, I like both the guys we talked about. Um, I do think I'm gonna go with uh, Burmester. What are the this? This is me coming down to you. Uh, ownership on Dietrich and Wyndham Clark. Is there any big difference between the two? Uh, Dietrich's looking like four percent. Wyndham Clark looking like one point nine. Uh, I'll go Wyndham Clark then. I think he's got. Okay. I think he's got a good game for this. Um, any other players that we need to cover before before signing off for the night? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, last one I would ask about is Patty Harrington. Any, any interest there? I think everyone just kind of sees Harrington as this like safe play, and I do almost agree. Um, but is there going to be too many people playing him for that reason? No, I don't. I don't think many people are going to play him really at all. I'm just trying to think. It. He was 20th here in 2015, and he shot yep. a third round 65 as well. And that wouldn't have been easy. I think that was a, that was probably he must have been the same sort of time that Leishman went out, um, because Leishman shot a 64 and just sat in the clubhouse for ages. Um, but I like it. If, if no one's going to play him, then I think he's I think he's a safe play. Yep. Which sounds weird well. for someone at his age. Yeah. But he was good at um, in the PGA last year, so I think if you get him at the right spot, he can be okay. And this seems like obviously his spot, he should be pretty comfortable. So yeah, that's all I got. Did he 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 played this week, right? Yeah, I don't know what he did. So I'm gonna say he missed the cut. Yeah, he shot 74, 76. So it depends what kind of what you put into that. But if you start 
thinking about that, then you're ruling out Justin Thomas and you're ruling out Morikawa and you're ruling out, you know, a lot of golfers. Like you just you can't overreact to one missed cut. Uh, Victor Hovland missed the cut, so there was there was a lot of guys that kind of missed the cut that people would uh, normally rely on. So um, yeah, I think that probably sums up my thoughts for it. I think there's uh, I think the thing is like we're recording this on a Sunday night and. There's obviously so much more to consider uh, throughout the week, but I think that gives us our overall thoughts on what we think about general players. And then when people are more informed about the weather and stuff, they can kind of take those opinions and run with those. I think. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Right, Matt, thank you as everybody. And uh, let's have a positive week at St. Andrews. All right, let's do it.